All right, well, this afternoon I prepared something uh, much more brief than what I had this morning. So it'd be a relief to, to some of you. Just had some um, collected thoughts. I, but this morning I had six pages, now I only got one. So this should be much, much shorter. You will turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter 14. It's been a delight to uh, spend this Lord's Day with y'all. I'm grateful for the opportunity to come out here and meet you and uh, break the bread of life with you. And I'll meet some of you for the first time. Good to uh, see some other saints that have uh, got to know before. So this has been a, a delight, and we want to thank you all for hosting us and for uh, providing meal for us. It's uh, been a, a blessed time, I believe. The book of uh, Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. I want to compare really two verses. Um, I, this is something new. I've never preached these verses before as a message except actually street preaching. These are two texts that I put together, um, just simple gospel Message. So I thought, well, I'll put down some thoughts and bring that for tomorrow. I didn't find anything in my sermon inventory that I really felt led to bring. So I created something new. So hopefully this will um, go off well. Proverbs 14, verse 12, we read, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I just want to make some brief observations on this verse that... I want to point out, first of all, that man's intuition or sincerity is no guarantee of eternal welfare. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That man's intuition into religion, into how he ought to serve and worship his God, is not given to man in his natural state. We need a revelation from God telling us who he is, telling us how he wants to be approached, how he wants to be worshipped, how he wants to be served. We need that. We have it in the Holy Scriptures. And secondly, I want to mention that it seems right to a man to try to please God on his own merits by what he does. It seems right to a man that, well, I've got this this, this conscience in me that's burning with guilt. Um, You know, atheists, as much as they might rage against us, they all have a conscience. They all know they've done evil. Romans 1 tells us that every human being alive knows that God exists. There are just some that suppress the truth. Nobody needs proof God exists. They already know. And they hold this truth down. They, they hold their conscience down say, well, I've done wrong things, but hopefully it'll, it'll work itself out in the end. My good deeds will outweigh my bad. As if God judged by some kind of scale and he put your bad stuff over here, your good stuff over here, and it, you kind of hoped it balanced out, maybe a little bit more good than, than bad. Uh, it seems right to us to want to do that. When we wrong somebody, we want to go make it right. You know, when we work with somebody's uh, property and it's damaged, broken, or lost, we want to try to make that right and replace it or fix it. And we, we seem to think of God in, in the same way. We've, we've, we've created a um, split between us and God. We're not in fellowship with our Creator like Adam was before the fall. And so... There's this, there's this disharmony there. There's this separation. We're cut off. We want to try to build a bridge um, to get to God. And in our own intuition, our own spiritual blindness, um, these ways lead to death. We understand the Scriptures that 
by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. Galatians 2.16. It's not to, up to us to build some kind of bridge, some kind of stairway, wherever you want to put God, over here, or up there, or wherever. It's not up to us to build a way to Him. God's made a way to come, and has come to us in the person of Christ, His Son. We are not left to seek to come to God through our works. And last and final, all men are sinners and they are all paid the wages of their sin, death. Our ways of appeasing our Creator seem right to us. And the, the large number of religions in this world and their basically works-based salvation um, is proof of that. But these ways lead to death. All men are sinners. They're all paid the wages of their sin. They're all paid death for the life that they live apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and His uh, cleansing blood and saving grace. I want to compare this with a verse in the New Testament John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. A verse y'all are all familiar with, I'm sure. But I want to um, point out at least three parallels uh, between John 14, 6 and Proverbs 14, 12. So we have in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's in is the way to death, the way of death. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus, and here he's answering um, the, the statement of Thomas. Thomas said to him, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That... And we'll, just some things we want to point out from this verse. Whereas before we considered that man's intuition is no guarantee of eternal welfare. Men can, we, can, we can aspire what kind of God might be that made us, made the worlds. Because it's obviously been created. There's too much harmony in creation to think that this all came about because of a big bang. I mean, that's, that much is apparent. Um, whereas man's intuition or sincerity is no guarantee of eternal welfare, Jesus' words are guarantee of eternal welfare. Jesus reveals to us um, the, the way of, of life and truth and, and righteousness. He is the way to come to God, the way to approach the Father's throne. Jesus' words are a guarantee of eternal welfare. Jesus comes that we might have life, have it to the fullest. He tells us in John 10 where he says, I am the door the sheep pass through. There's no other door. Somebody's trying to get in another way. They're a thief, a robber. They're up to no good. Uh, Jesus' words are a guarantee of eternal welfare. And then second, we considered in Proverbs that it seemed right to a man to try to please God by his own merits and what he does. Well, it seemed good to God to crush his own son for the salvation of sinners. I already had one brother here um, quote Isaiah 53.5. That it pleased the Lord to crush his son considering that they had spent eternity past in fellowship with one another, closer fellowship than any of us has ever had with any other person, even with our God, even with our spouse, our dearest friend, they had fellowship with each other. And then for the Son to be hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsakenness was something he had not known for all of eternity. He and the Father had fellowshiped, but it pleased the Lord to crush him. He turned his back on his Son, on the cross as he was crushed for our iniquities, bruised for our, crushed for our sins, bruised for our 
um, iniquities. And it pleased God um, to do this, this thing. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It was the will of God at the right time. Romans 5, 6. And thirdly, um, the ways of man lead to death because we already mentioned that by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified, but the gospel leads to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life um, because God sovereignly gives it. No, no one to whom God gives second birth can lose that um, any more than we can be unborn the first time. Yes, we can, we can struggle with suicide, brother, and we can take our lives, but... We can't be unborn. We were already born. And just, when, just as when we're born the first time, when the Lord grants second birth and a sinner is born again, use the language of John 3, no man can lose that. If they go off and live a life of sin after making a profession of faith, they go off and live a life of sin and serve their own fleshly lusts. And we can conclude that they were never a believer to begin with. That This, this is um, biblical. Judging them by their, their fruits, we can conclude such things. But... To whom God sovereignly gives second birth, he cannot lose it. Hebrews 12, 23 um, tells us that there is an enrollment in heaven. And the, in the Greek there, we don't catch it quite in the English, but the perfect participle there for um, the Greek word for enrolled lets us know that it was, it's a perfect participle, that, that it was done in time past, that the list was made up, the enrollment was uh, established. And it's that, that we cannot take our um, <clears throat> excuse me our name off the the list. It's, it's irre- we're irrevocably registered in heaven. All the saints are, and that there's not names scratched out and then some written in. Well, I really elected him, but he went astray, or well, this person really wants to come to me, but they're not on my elect list. These are, these are just caricatures of Calvinism, just nothing but caricatures. The, the whole idea that that God would hold a sinner back that's trying to come to him. What does the Scriptures clearly teach us in John 6? All that the Father gives me will come to me. If somebody's coming, it's because they're being drawn. And then Jesus later on that, that same chapter tells us in verse 44, um, No man can come to me unless the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last uh, day. That, that verse, if you really want one verse to prove uh, Calvinism, that's a great verse to do it. John, John 6, 44, you have all... Five points bound up in John 6.44. No one can come to me, there's your total depravity, unless the Father, there's your unconditional election, which sent me draw him, there's your irresistible grace, and I will raise him up, there's your limited atonement, at the last day, perseverance of the saints. You've got all five points of tulip bound up in John 6.44. And Jesus... To get back to our, our text in John 14, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You saw the definite article there. It's in your translation. The definite article is before each one of those. The way, the truth, the life. These are exclusive claims that Jesus makes. Other cult leaders will come along and say, well, I've got a way to God. You know, Joseph Smith and Mormonism, and then uh, Charles Taze Russell and Jehovah's Witness comes along, so I've got a way. And then, you know, Buddha comes along and says, I have a way. Muhammad comes along and says, I have a way. Jesus comes along and says, I'm the way. I'm the way. The truth and the life. And all those guys that were mentioned before, they're, they're dead. We, we know where they're buried. They're, they're nothing but bones now after that. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and walked out of his grave. Okay, that's the ultimate mic drop, if you, uh, if you follow me there. So other religions will only help you get more lost. 
Jesus Christ is the way and Jesus Christ exclusively. Jesus Christ is the truth. Other religions are lies. They're, they're the ways that seem right to men, but they're way, they end up leading to death. They do. They're all works-based salvation, or they're, 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 they take laxical views of um, the, the grace of God. Well, I can just live however I want to, and God will just... He knows I'm a good person. He sees my heart. Yeah, he sees your heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately sick. He already diagnosed it for you in Jeremiah 17, 9. And Jesus is the life. Other religions are death. You're never going to please God through these other religions. Jesus Christ is the life. And some may balk at these exclusive claims of Christ here in the text and go, well, I, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that there's only one way to God. I, I want to come on my, my own way. I want, to, I want to show God that I'm really something. God knows you're really nothing. You know, come to God on your own merits. Some may not like there's only one way. Praise God, brothers and sisters. We have a way to come to God. We have the way, a sure way. It's not a hope-so way. It's not a, well, well, we've got this idea, mm, might work, mm, maybe not kind of way. It's a sure way. We know. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. We know these things. We can have assurance of our salvation. So there's not, uh, there's not any cause for grumbling and playing. Well, there's only one way. can't believe God would send the sincerely religious Muslim or whatever to hell. Well, they're sincerely mistaken. There's ways that seem right to men that are leading them straight to death. They're on the, uh, they're on the broad way that leads to destruction. So we saw in Proverbs that there is a way. Jesus contrasts and says, I'm the way. We saw in Proverbs there's a way and it seems right to a man. There's a degree of uncertainty there. There's a degree of, mm, kind of hope so, not really well grounded. Jesus says, I'm the truth. Boom, the truth. No, no seeming right, no, no doubts, no degree of uncertainty. It says, I'm the truth. I'm the way. The truth. And in the end, we saw in Proverbs 14, its end is the way to death. Jesus says, I'm the life. life. So you see, Proverbs 14, John 14, we've kind of got some parallels that are, that are there. Uh, Jesus, Jesus takes up. He may have had Proverbs fourteen on his mind. I don't know. I just I like how these two verses run together. Um, he just says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me." Which implies that we can come to the Father through Him. We can come to the Father through Him. That there is a way that is made for us, the way, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have much to be thankful for, uh, for our Savior, for the work that He's done, for His mediatorship on our behalf, for His intercession for us. So there's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. Jesus says, I'm the way. There's no seeming right. I am right. I am the truth and the life. Man's ways leads to death. What seems right to us only leads to death. We need our Creator to speak to us. And tell us what is right. Tell us how he wants to be worshipped. How he wants to be served. What is the purpose of our life? These are the things the, the worldly philosophers go after. What is the meaning of life? And they all sit around and you know, ponder these deep questions. These are, these are simple questions. We, we can take the scriptures and we know why we were created. To worship and adore and love our God and Savior with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, Jesus' words here. I'm the way, the truth, the life. There is no... Um, there's no um, different panels or corners of heaven. You know, Jesus has his house over here for his devout Christian followers. 
then over here he's got one for devout uh, Jews and then devout Muslims and then devout Buddhists and well because they were all so sincere in, in coming to me I just I couldn't I couldn't cast them away no Proverbs 14 tells us there's a way it seems right to a man it's not right to God it leads to death Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life and it is my my prayer that we would we would love him that we would serve him that we would Go to him. Go to his word. We have his gospels here, and we're told that these they are sufficient for all that pertains to this life and godliness. We have no need. The, the things that John mentions that Jesus said that are not recorded, we don't have to go digging for those. We don't have to go digging up these things. The world gets excited when they find these Gnostic gospels, and, oh, look, we got gospel of Thomas and Judas and Peter and so on and so forth, and they, something else, and they neglect the living and active word of God. And it's a tragic thing, and it's to their, to their loss. We want to bring people to Jesus, like uh, the the disciples, like Andrew, bringing people to Jesus. We want to, we want to bring them to Him because He is the way. He is the way, the truth, the life. Everything else is dead. There's no other. There's no other way to come to God. There's no other standard of truth. We have the standard of truth, the living Word. We have the written Word here, which certainly um, Christ fulfilled all of that in the flesh. So praise God for our our Savior, the exclusive way to, to God. So I guess we'll close with a little word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your Son Jesus. We thank you for His work on our behalf. We thank you for the shed blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Pray that you would uh, continue to do your work within us to cleanse us, to purify and sanctify us, that we might be more holy people, that we would be all the more devoted to your service, to sharing this gospel, as our brother Sean exhorted us to do. Pray that you would help us, Lord, to lead people to Christ. We thank you for making a way to come to us. We know we can never ascend to you, so we thank you for condescending to us and saving us when we were lost and ruined and without you. We thank you and praise you for being good to us, for saving us by your grace. And it's in your son's name that we pray.